At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Welcome, everyone, to the Sports Illustrated Media Podcast. I am your host, Jimmy Trainer. Thank you for listening. Big show this week, so I'm going to do a very quick intro. We have Steve Levy, voice of Monday Night Football, also doing NHL for ESPN at the top, followed by Jeff Garland on the upcoming season of Curb, and we get into heavy-duty Curb talk, and then Trainer Thoughts with Sal Akata, all on this episode. If you missed last week, we had John O'Ran and Alan Sepinwall on the podcast two weeks ago, Kyle Brandt. Three weeks ago, Stephen A. Smith. Brian Danielson from AEW and Jimmy Kimmel, all recent guests as well. So check those out in the archives. Uh, subscribe, rate, and review. All right, let's hit it now with this show. Steve Levy, Jeff Garland, train of thoughts right here on the SI Media Podcast. All right, joining me now, very, very busy individual at ESPN. Two big gigs, Monday Night Football and now with the NHL returning to ESPN. Studio N, play-by-play, Steve Levy. Steve, how are you? Alas, we meet, Jimmy. It's yes. been a long time coming. How are you? I'm well. I'm doing well. How are you? You're very good. busy these days. All good. These, uh, it's the best kind of busy, you know? Good to hear you're good with, with, with Peyton and Eli returning this Monday. I thought maybe Wait, it'd be what? a little... what? <laughs> yeah, did you hear about that? Have you heard about this alternate telecast? What's going on with that? Wait, we're it's showing crazy. the same game on multiple channels. <laughs> what it's, an idea. It, it's unbelievable. There's this other telecast that goes right head to head with you. Yeah, I missed them the last three weeks. <laughs> and, and the social media chatter that follows. I miss all that. I, 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 I mean, listen, I can't even believe some of the things I've read. You know, I mean, listen, I don't get I, I understand that the average typical sports TV viewer is not going to understand the ins and outs of the business. But for people to say, like, that's going to replace all traditional broadcasts and you know, no one paying attention to the fact that your telecast is getting 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 million viewers and they're getting 1 million, but sure, that'll replace the traditional telecast. It is amazing. I mean, it is, I mean, I, I, it is amazing that it seems to have worked out for everyone, though. Yes. And, and it could be a sign of the future if you could get Peyton and Eli on other sports, right? But uh, I'm not sure those, those guys exist. Um, they're obviously, right. look, you know, 
first family of football, the Mannings. They're, they're special, and what they have is good, and I get it. And listen, I, I've seen a lot of clips, and if, if our game is, uh, you know, if the game's not a great game and it's a blowout in the third quarter, I'd certainly understand that. And even in a good game, I, I want to hear what Peyton and Eli have to say as well. So um, we've just been very lucky. Our games have been unbelievably good so far this season. Yeah, all the prime, not all, but most of the primetime games have been great. Monday night's had, obviously, you had a great one this Monday. Um, Yeah, you and Lewis Riddick and Brian Greasy are probably the three people in in the sports world who have not been able to check out Peyton and Eli because you're a little busy at the same time. But have you you said you saw clips, I, I assume just Twitter stuff, or have you gone back and actually watched one of their telecasts? Uh, you know what? I, I watched, it was week one or week two. I, D, I DVR'd it. Hey, I, I DVR'd our games, but I do, I did want to see what the fuss was all about, you know? And, um, and I get it. Listen, you know, you can't, you can't fake chemistry as you know, and that's something Brian Lewis and I have, you know, worked on in our second year in the booth together. And we're still getting there. And, you know, Peyton and Eli have been together their entire lives, like every second of it. So, uh, you can't fake that stuff. You can't substitute it. So they obviously have that. Uh, they were obviously all-time great players. And, oh, by the way, they're funny and entertaining, too. Like, again, I, I get it. People want to pit us against each other. Right. And I, I, I don't see that. I'm, I'm looking at the, uh, the health of the franchise, you know, that is Monday Night Football. And ratings are, ratings are up, apparently. And I don't really get into the numbers game, but more people are watching. And if that's because of Peyton and Eli, I'm all for that. Let's – Let's get Monday Night Football back to where it was, uh, regardless of how many channels it's being seen on. What, what was your reaction, though, when you first heard they were doing this alternate telecast? Because here you guys are, second year in the booth. Like you said, trying to build in that chemistry. The booth had had a rocky couple of years there. You guys came in, stabilized it last year. And now you hear they're doing an alternate telecast where you're like, what's up with that? Or were you like, oh, I totally get it from a business standpoint? You know, it's a it's a curiosity piece too, right? Uh, a, I do get it from the business. I've been in I've been in the business a long time, and I've been a, sort of on the other side. I've been on those mega casts for other sports. I, you know, I've done the college football national championship on ESPN two, running around like a lunatic. You know, me and Pat McAfee on one sideline, you know, and, and Dan Orlovsky on the other, and those have been a lot of fun. And I think they're well received. And listen, we all fall under the ESPN umbrella. And my understanding is that the network doesn't care which channel you're watching as long as it's one of our channels. And um, listen, I, I don't know how many broadcasts we're going to have for the for the wild card game on Monday night. But I think for college, I, I felt like we had six, maybe six different opportunities, right. ways, different ways to watch. So um, there's the natural curiosity factor. I was curious, uh, you know, but they don't have a play-by-play guy, right? So, right. so. I wasn't really impacted. I certainly could understand if Brian and Lewis felt differently, you know, but I, I think it's really cool uh, to hear the different opinions in the moment, right? Not the next day, but in the moment. Hey, what did Greasy say on this play? What did Peyton say on the same play decision? Go for it. Don't go for it. Pass or run. So I think that's cool. I think that's fun. And, and again, we're all playing for the same team, you know? So it's, I, I really do. I, I think it's a win. And, um, I'd be surprised if it changed. I know it's a three-year deal for those guys, but if they're having a good time, uh, the audience is clearly having fun watching them. Why not keep it going? 
Yeah, the problem in sports TV, it seems like, is when there's something good going, you know, higher ups try to get involved and then they change it and then they mess it up. So hopefully that doesn't happen. But uh, that's hey, saying, I think, that's the, listen, our guys yeah. take a lot of heat, right? Our suits, uh, yeah. I think, I feel like they nailed this one, you know? Yeah. They should, they should, they're entitled to the pat on the back since, uh, since they get, a, you know, the criticism when stuff doesn't work. Well, here's something that's obviously working. And I, I think you will see other places try and copy it. And the question oh, yeah. is, you got somebody like Peyton and Eli. Those guys, you know, they don't come around too often. I think I wrote that actually in, in one of my in one of the columns I wrote about the Peyton and Eli show. I, I said the, the the biggest negative is that every network and sport will try to copy this, and it's going to be a disaster because they just don't have Peyton and Eli. So, right. um, and tell me about you and Brian and Lewis second year. Any what's the big difference year two as opposed to year one, obviously, besides having Peyton and, you know, hearing about Peyton and Eli, do you feel more comfortable? Do you feel like we talked about chemistry? Obviously, that's so important. What, what are your thoughts so far uh, six weeks into week year two on Monday Night Football? Well, the biggest change for the broadcast is having a live crowd. That is that is number one to, you know, to come off the music and see, you know, 80,000 rocking or whatever it is and the tailgate scene and all that. That is by far the biggest change. Um, you know, I really don't want to be the, the coach speak guy, but I, I do feel like we're trying to get better every week. And uh, I thought you hit on a, on a key phrase about last season. We were really trying to stabilize things, right, and, and get the attention on the field where it belongs. I mean, there's been like, so much talk about the booth. Like, right. we're just the announcers, you know what I mean? <laughs> and what, it's the game on the field. So I, I feel like we did that. And so after year one – in what was a crazy year one, right? We go through the pandemic, the heart of the pandemic. And so now it's a matter of, okay, season two, let's try to be really good at this, right? Let, let, all right, so there's stabilizing. Now let's get really good with the idea, hey, one day maybe we could all be great at this together. And so I think we're still getting better every week. Uh, I knew we would be instantly better week one of this season than even our wild card game of a season ago, which I thought we were pretty good in. We had a couple of preseason games this year, got to play around, got to fool around, got to hang out a little bit this soft season. And I think you see, like, we're laughing more. And they're genuine laughs. They're genuine yucks. They're not orchestrated. And, uh, you know, I've always believed that if you're having a good time, the audience will have a good time as well with you. And, again, like I said, the biggest thing, the games have been great. The games have just been great. And we walk into some of these, Jimmy, and we're like, eh, this could be – you know, this could be a three touchdown kind of blowout. Right. And it just we haven't had that. We've been really lucky. So started week one with with the Raiders and the Ravens. No one yes. thought, you know, that would be close, I remember. Um the overtime games already, you know, we've had yeah. been a ton of overtime in the whole league. It's been great. Yeah. yeah. For you personally, and I don't mean this specifically to Riddick and Greasy, just overall. Obviously, you've worked with Greasy doing college for a while. Um and then they go to a three-man booth. For you as a play-by-play guy, forget who the two analysts are. Is three-man booth a bigger challenge, tougher to navigate than two? Do you, what's your preference on that? So uh, I think it's it's counterintuitive. You would think it would be uh, easier with three in the booth. Uh, there's obviously less time for me to say anything. So I have to really be careful about what I do say. I really have to pick my spots. If I'm going to try to get in there, and I, listen, Brian and Lewis, they're bright to begin with, but I, I really think they have super high football IQs. 
So if I'm going to eat up some of their clock, uh, it's got to be really good. And so, and so that's the challenging part for me uh, is to not just, you know, weave in and out with, you know, mindless kind of stuff. If I'm going to go, I really have to go and bring my best and bring my fastball. So that's kind of the challenge. And last year, going back to last year, it was easier last year because there was no crowd. There was no opportunity to lay out. There was much more time to speak. So now with the crowd, it's almost like a four-man booth, right? And, and mm. Jimmy, this is a true story. We just got off our Zoom every Wednesday. Uh, our core group, we meet on a Zoom and to discuss uh, the game that just was. And Thursday, we spin it ahead to the next game. But we talked about it. You know, we all take notes, watch the game back. There was a first down run for three yards in the second quarter. And I finished the call, and it was a nothing run, and nobody said anything. Not one word. No replay. Not a word from Greasy. Not a word from Riddick. And for a second there, it sounds wrong. It sounds awkward. That's It might have been 25 seconds. Play you know, I, I actually remember that. I'm not bullshitting nah. you. I actually nah. remember that moment because I, I was about to say, is the sound out? Yeah. You know, yeah, so I remember it's, that it's, moment. It's awkward like a, like a mistake, but – it's like the biggest criticism of these NFL booths are it's wall-to-wall talking. Yeah. And so uh, Lewis said on the Zoom, he's like, listen, I mean, I could make up something and fill the time, but I'm manufacturing stuff. I don't have anything great there. It right. was kind of nice. It was kind of yeah. natural. It was kind of like you were at the game, you know? And so I, I think we have to get over uh, how it feels or sounds like a mistake and the awkwardness. And hey, you know what? That's pretty cool. But so yeah. there's nothing to say. You saw everything there. It was a three-yard run in a cloud of dust. And let's get in the third down, you know? Right. No, I like that a lot. Um, you guys have Seattle, New Orleans this coming Monday. And you will be in Seattle for the Kraken's first home game. So now we go to your hockey. So you have not, you have not done play-by-play for an NHL game since 04. That sounds correct. That probably NHL. Conference, conference final of 04, some 17 years, right? The World Cup doesn't count, right? No, no, NHL. So will you, will you be a little rusty on Saturday? Yeah, I'm a little concerned. Uh, I'm a little concerned. I've never done a game with Ray Ferraro. I've known Ray forever. I love the guy. He's an unbelievable analyst. But we didn't have any preseason games to, you know, to practice. Uh, Jeff Dufine will produce. I'm not sure. I think I did a baseball game with Jeff many years ago. And Dougie Holmes was the number one director way back when we had the package. He still might be the best director in NHL television history. But we'll be good. Listen, this would be a lot trickier if it was just another game. But to me, this is more about the city of Seattle, the state of Washington, the brand new building in the first ever event. Actually, the first ever event is a Coldplay concert, I think, on, on Friday night. Like, they didn't okay. even play a preseason game there. The Kraken have not been on their home ice and won't be until the morning skate day of their first ever game. So I, I think it's more about the event on this Saturday night, more more than who's on the third, the checking line, the third line of, of the right, Kraken, right. you know? So uh, it'll be nuts. I think it's... Uh, Our friends at Vivid Seats said it's the most expensive NHL regular season ticket since like 2010. Uh, So people are really excited. And look, I got lucky. It just worked out. We happen to be in Seattle for the Seahawks anyway. So we'll take advantage of the schedule, and I'm I'm excited about it. So you're going to be doing studio 
mainly, I guess, and, and then you'll be doing select games. And what when the NFL's over, is that when you maybe go into doing more games? What, yeah. What's your schedule like? I got like? three or four dates in the first half of the NHL season. I've already done two of them. We'll do the day after Thanksgiving on ABC. That's a big day. But, yeah, until the NFL season comes to an end, I think probably post-Super Bowl. And then I'm looking forward to a, a pretty full schedule. You know, I think we have ABC every weekend, maybe a play-by-play game during the week. And then uh, hopefully some, you know, first and second round playoff games. But uh, the place is jacked up, man. They're juiced up about having hockey back. Do you enjoy that schedule where on a Monday you're doing the NFL, on a Saturday you're doing an NHL play-by-play, and then on a Wednesday you're doing the studio? Do you like wearing all those hats or would you prefer uh, it? It sounds better, right? Like it's really cool, but then to properly prepare for and execute and my three young kids at home – and uh, we're away on the road a lot for Monday night. So that, that's the tricky balance. And that's why I'm glad that the bulk of my NHL work will come after the NFL season. Listen, I, I want to give Monday night my, my full attention. Uh, it deserves it. It warrants it. Right. I, I'm not a big NHL guy, and I don't say that to disparage the league at all. It's just I don't know how people watch every sport. It, you know, just hard to do. Um, and that's one that just fell off me. But the reaction from the NHL fans when it was announced that ESPN was getting the NHL back was real. And it, a lot of it was around the theme song and you specifically, you have the history of all those five overtime games, four yeah. overtime games. Um, it, it, a lot of it was, uh, there was obviously people are happy. It's back on ESPN. It doesn't matter. No disrespect to NBC or whatever. If you're on ESPN, no matter what you are, you're going to get more eyeballs. It's just a fact of life. Yeah. And a lot of it was geared towards you specifically what did that feel like for you uh it felt it felt great I, I do feel like you know uh we always enjoy what we grew up watching right and, you know it was that way for me too and i can i can go through the list of great announcers growing up in new york and listening to marv and you know and bob murphy and ralph kiner and Lindsay nelson on the mets and all that kind of stuff and so i think for a generation you know espn was the voice of hockey and uh and people did love the music the music thing is so funny, right? Like that was such a central focus of it. And uh, the company gets to save some bucks. We didn't have to come up with a new theme song, just roll out the old one. And, uh, but people, Jimmy, I remember the day we lost it. I mean, there were tears. There were tears in Bristol. Yeah. It was really emotional. And now to be back on the other side, welcome it back. But yes, the, the players are really happy. The league is really happy. And, uh, and it's a, it's, a, it's a great marriage, right? It's great. The sport is really fast. It's different from what we had at the last time, but it's really fast. Skill level off the charts. And, and you know what? It's, uh, you talk about eyeballs and stuff. There's just so many different ways you can do a hockey broadcast. There really is, right? So the big difference to me is the intermissions and the pre and the post and the promotion. That's how we can make a difference. I mean, how many different ways can you actually broadcast the hockey game three or four, but you can do a lot of other things around the game and the promotion is a big piece and we are 24 seven. And I think that's where hockey wins by coming back to ESPN. Yeah. I mean, it's it sort of, you know, you say that it makes me think of the NBA on TNT. I mean, regular season NBA, regular season NHL are not things you have to be in front of the TV to watch when they are in front of ESPN plus, you know, I know there's a lot of streaming now and this yeah. and that. I mean, regular season NHL, regular season NBA, MLB to an extent as well, but that's a that feels different. But those two sports, I mean, like you said, you could do 
those intermissions, you could do a lot of different things. You have the time, you have the leeway. It, it, they're perfect for, you know, sort of experimenting. But Jimmy, like the that. TNT thing, that's like, a, what is that, a five-hour window on, yeah. on Thursday nights? Yeah. For the double header, right? And I, hey, yeah. I love Ernie. I they love go on to like two in the morning, Eastern time, get that, too. Right. But yeah. I'm saying, but that's it. Yeah. And then you don't see him again, you know? Right. We're still going. Like, you know, we finished Monday night. Here comes Sports Center. Let's do three hits. Get up in the morning. Like, so... And so that's where we can really help the NHL or really yeah. any property that we, you know, that we have. And like I said, I, 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 I'm not going to sit here and ask you like hardcore hockey questions, but I know the media game a little bit. And, I, you know, ESPN seems pretty stacked, obviously, with you, McDonough. If you want like good, you know, Emily Kaplan's a former SI person. Yeah. Greg Wyshynski has been like a legendary NHL guy. Yeah. So you, and every, hockey fans are in good hands, you know, with ESPN. So. Now, like I said, I can't sit here and ask you about like you know how will the Rangers do or who's the Rangers goalie. But Good, I'm glad you, I'm glad you can't. Yeah, I don't want. But to I'm going to ask you one NHL question because it, this fascinates me because it really has nothing to do with hockey. But maybe what exact Evander Kane? Yeah, uh, this guy like okay, he's got some wild, crazy divorce story. Then yeah. he's faking COVID cards. He's gambling on his own team. I guess that wasn't true. If the, now I don't want to, I, I hate to do the if this wasn't hockey game because I I don't want to be a fan. But if, if that's an NFL player and an MLB, like he's on the front page of every, like how is he be able to get away with all this stuff? What, is he that good that teams keep him? So he is a really good player. He, he's okay. really talented, and he brings all aspects to the game. He's a rare mix, you know, that sort of power forward can score, can hit, can fight, can do a lot of things, and yeah. He's run through a lot of franchises now and he's made a lot of money. So that tells you. But we've seen that in the NFL, too. If you can play almost oh, yeah. regardless of transgressions off the field. Right. You know, but uh, his transgressions seem a little unique in terms of betting on his team and then faking the COVID vaccine card. That's all. I, I know the gambling thing, I guess. what's alleged and what's Right, not right. Alleged, alleged, alleged. Yes. Prove alleged. it in the courts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, but, but yes, yes. Yeah. It would be front page news every place else. <laughs> Look, the NHL just doesn't get that kind of attention. Yeah. Uh, but this was a pretty serious slap on the wrist, I would say. The funny thing is that on this podcast last week, I went on this whole thing about, like, the NHL deserves more credit and the NHL should be getting more attention across the web because right before the season started, they announced that they only had four players who were not vaccinated in the yes. whole league. But yep. now we find out he's got a fake card. Right. So who, who knows what the number is? I, 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 my guess is there are some fake cards in all sports. That would yes. be my guess. These guys have the means, right? Hey, buddy, grab me a card from someplace. Here we yeah, go. They have the means. Exactly. That, that's the truth. Um, I want to ask you about a couple of offbeat fun things here. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I did a little, I tried to research. I Googled you. Do you know what, do you know what the first question is that comes up when you Google Steve Levy? Uh, is it about the overtime games? The no. five overtimes? Oh, is Steve, bulging disc? Nope. Okay. Is Steve Levy related to Marv Levy? Yeah. No. That's so I, bizarre. Like that, that would be I the was. most ask, most searched question about you. Right. I, I wish I was because he was obviously a genius, still a genius. I used to get that a lot. Uh, people, you know, when people see in, in public, they get a little nervous. Like they're not ready. They're not expecting to see you. So I would get, Hey, Marv Levy, or hey, uh, Marv Albert, right? <laughs> right? There's a weird, right. you know, 
from right. Marvin, Marvin, Levy, and all that. Since stuff. you mentioned the bulging disc, do you when you do see fans, yeah. do you get more bulging disc, bulging dick, or do you get more about the overtimes? Bulging. Oh, really? Even they, more than the other. I mean, this is like uh, twenty-four years old already, and I would say still once a month, I have somebody come up to me. You're the bulging disc guy, and and it's a tricky one. Like people right. in the media are still making the mistake. And every time somebody else falls for it, they bring me up again. So yeah. honestly, yeah. It's, it's worked out for me, Jimmy. I, I thought I was going to get fired the next day. Norby, oh, uh, who's still my boss, uh, he sent me a voicemail the next morning. He said, hey, it was great TV. Keep up the good work. And um, it's kind of worked out for me. You, you have to be known for something, you know, and I, I think that's that's kind of my legacy. I, I'd like to be, be known as a, a great broadcaster, <laughs> but – the bulging thing has worked out for me. It's it's funny. Well, I mean, it happened at like the peak of Sports Center mania, you know, when everyone watched Sports Center back before the internet, and you got your highlights from sports. So the timing of it for you was was probably yeah. Uh, and I was sitting next to Keith, okay, and and Dan for what uh, Dan had something going on with his kid that night, and I was already really nervous. And that was right after Monday Night Football. We had a massive uptick from the audience. The game ends. We start Sports Center. And, uh, and yeah, and, and people still joke about it. I mean, every day it's on the internet. Someplace. How many years did you do sports center? I mean, I, I've done it every year. Mike, I'm in my 29th year. I've done sports center for 20. 29 years. Yeah. I That's did, amazing. you know, I did the LA show before there was LA. We did it in Bristol at two in the morning. Right. Right. So take out bulging disc. Yeah. Give me your favorite sports center moment. So, listen, I've been on the air for a lot of great things. Um, the Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire summer, was they did the 30 for 30 on it. Yeah. That was an incredible summer to be on SportsCenter. That was sort of the, you know, people say it saved baseball. Maybe that's too strong, but definitely a, a resurgence because um, we went live to every at-bat. It was amazing, right? But the anticipation and you couldn't get those games at full national everywhere. So people were really glued. You'd have to stay because right. you never knew, especially when they were going head-to-head. And so that was that was incredible. Uh, I was on the I was on the air for the Mike Tyson uh Evander Holyfield, the biting of the ear. That was one of those incredible sports center moments. But you know, I, I've been really blessed. I've always said uh I'm the luckiest guy in our business. I've had this great seat for so long. And listen, I, I work hard. I try really hard. But I do believe there's there's a luck piece to this. And uh, I've, I've just gotten a lot of breaks along the way. And so, uh, but that sports center seat has always been home. And I, I look to keep a piece of that with me always. It's so weird because I don't know. In my head, I don't I don't think of you as as being there so long as long as you like yeah. the fact that you've been at ESPN since 93 is yeah. now listen I remember this is how old I am I remember you being at WFAN yeah because I mean I would listen when I was in you know high school Mike in the did you what did you do updates at FAN did you do shows what did you do at FAN so it's the F, uh, the FAN piece is a really cool story so uh I did updates for Mike and the dog uh, I wasn't the main update guy, but I did a lot of them. You know, the Mink Man was for most of it. Now, uh, when you were doing the updates for Mike and the Mad Dog, were they getting along or were they fighting? No, they were good. That was in the, okay. the good stage. And actually, yeah. it was, you know, was I was just starting out in TV. Uh, I was doing some MSG stuff, sports desk, intermissions. I was the second or third guy there. 
And uh, and Mike Francesa, Ru- Russo is a doll. Russo's a great guy, obviously, right? But you know, Mike's got a, a tough knock from a lot of people. He was always really good to me, and that's sort of how I judge people. And and he and Chris together were always proponents of me on the television side. And I think it really helped me, especially in New York, to go from MSG to Channel Two and CBS and all that. But uh, I did the NFL in action on Sundays from 1 to 7. That was the first of its kind, Jimmy, where having a stringer in every NFL city. uh, That was the brainchild of our producer, Len Weiner, by the way, back in the day. So that was cool. But the really good nugget is I did sports on IMIS in the morning for three weeks. And people don't remember it. And I was really – I was maybe I was a year out of college, okay? And I was nervous. I was not ready. Uh, I wasn't funny. I'm still not really funny. It was the first time I started drinking coffee. (laughs) But I do remember uh, Charles McCord was so nice to me. Imus was really great to me. And, uh, you know, I was getting up at 4 in the morning. I was living in Queens. And um, so it it came to a quick end. We had these top-line messages on the computer. I'm not sure I've ever told this story before. And, uh, again, Don was is not warm and fuzzy, right? There's nothing warm and fuzzy about Don Imus. And I got a top-line message in parentheses, Imus, and it said, you don't suck. And, and I think that was his way of saying, hey, you're not going to make it on our show, but we still like you. And, by the way, I was replaced by Mike Breen, Mike. who went on to be, you know, he was brilliant and funny yeah. and all those things. And, and Breeny had the job for a long time on Imus. Yeah. But if I wasn't awful at it, you know, maybe I'd still in that spot. That's, I was going to ask you if you were filling in for Breeny, or was that basically a tryout to be on the Imus show? It was a tryout, but Mike had not done it at all till I right. got booted out. Yeah. So that, is- that was and, – and when I say I've been lucky, Jimmy, in my career, that that's about the only thing that really hasn't gone my way. And listen, I was in way over my head. I was not ready for the circus, you know – and those guys were great. All the producers, uh, Lou Rafino on the board. I'm trying to think uh, who the produ- the main producer was, but McCord was great. And Don was really good to me. Were you uh, bummed when the when you were you bummed that you didn't get you know you did a three week tryout and then they said no? Did that knock you down a little, or are you? Yeah, like you I said, that was, that's probably the only thing that hadn't gone my way, and I'm still really early in my career at that point. I just I thought it was a missed opportunity, right? Like my parents were so proud, right? All the everybody in New York was in the yeah. Imus in the morning, you yeah. know, and it was such a big deal. All my buddies got a kick out of it. And so, yeah, I was, you know, it's like being rushed to the majors, right? I wasn't ready for the job. And uh, and again, I'm still not that funny, and they needed somebody funny. You know, Warner was great down the road and all that stuff, and just probably wrong timing, but it was a good learning experience for me. Um and uh, I cherish the time I had with Linus in the morning. It was fun. You mentioned growing up in New York with both Long Island guys. Yeah. Um, and I see if, if people are watching this on YouTube instead of listening on Apple, but we'll take it however you do it. But if you're watching on YouTube, I see a, a Jet Stadium picture yeah. in the background. Yeah. Um, I, I lost my Jets fandom a long time ago. After, after Parcells left, that was about it for me and the Jets. How have you been able to maintain it all these years, Steve? Yeah, it's, it's not ideal. And, uh, you know, broadcasting the NFL now, I'll come clean, as, as Scott Van Pelt always says, we're all, we all come from someplace. You don't really get to choose that piece. And so they're really the only professional team or any sports team that I root for still. Uh, I had the chance to see the Rangers win the Stanley Cup. I was there at the Garden that night. 
Uh, I was there for Bill Buckner. I was there for game seven of the Mets and Red Sox in 86. Uh, So I've seen my teams win. I just haven't seen the Jets win. I got two young boys who are nine years old. One of my twins said to me, he goes, Dad, I'll give him one more year. <laughs> like, I mean, from a nine-year-old. At nine. Because, <laughs> uh, listen, we live in uh, Patriots country, and all the Patriots right. do is win, right? And, right. Uh, and then, you know, the, the other team is the Giants. It's, you can't find a Jets hat in central Connecticut. Right. And uh, so I, I would, you know, I'm lucky to have my dad still with me and in good health. I'd love to be able to take my dad and my two boys to the Super Bowl, the Jets in it one day. And I'm not sure we're going to get there, but I keep hoping. And yeah, I, look, I, I grew up with it. You know, we went to the games at Shea Stadium. I loved it. So many fond memories. But that's that's who I am, you know. I give you credit for sticking with it and hanging a picture. I and mean, that's that's you know, you'd think that you know, you'd you'd not want to look at that maybe too much. Last times. year we're doing zooms, right? Because we couldn't meet in person with the players, the coaches, and uh, we had the actually had a Patriots Jets game. And uh, we're Zoom with Bill Belichick. And right before Bill pops up on the screen, I was smart enough to take down that picture. You know? <laughs> so, it would have been great to see if he said something about right. it, if you left hey, it Bill up. Bill notices everything, right? Nobody right. That's a, yeah. Orient, yeah. He probably would have caught that. And then uh, doing the broadcast, I, I felt like I played it straight, you know? Yeah. Uh, my friends were giving me the business. They know, so. No, uh, th- that's overrated. You're yeah. allowed to have a team. Yeah. Uh, I appreciate you coming on. Obviously, Monday nights every every Monday on ESPN. And what give me give people like a little taste of where they can get all the NHL. With what nights you doing studio game? What do you got coming up? So uh, it's really ESPN Plus, and uh, I, you know, I don't want to sound like the commercial. The the deal is so good. We have over a thousand NHL regular season games. I don't know if it's six bucks a month or seven bucks a month, uh, but if you're a hockey fan. You kind of have, besides great value, you don't really have an alternative. You, you got to go there and get it. And uh, I'm really excited. This Saturday, the first ever Seattle Kraken home game will be full exclusive. So the only place to see it is on ESPN+. Plus. I, you get the bundle, Hulu. I'm not really into that, all that stuff. I don't really understand it all. But I, I do have ESPN+, Plus and I would encourage people. Definitely hockey fans. Listen, this is going to be a learning curve here. You know, diehard Bruin and Flyer fans, they're going to figure out they're not going to be able to get their team's games uh, on a regular basis, you know, six or seven, 12, whatever it is, the big market teams. So you sort of have to get it. I'm sure people are starting to wake up to it now. I've said this before a, a couple of times. I, You know, I stream college football games on ESPN's app every Saturday, multiple games at multiple times. I've yep. never had a problem. I mean, it's, yep. it, they, you know, I never get the buffering. I never get this isn't working. And, you know, as a degenerate gambler, you need as many games on as you can get on a Saturday. So, oh, yeah. you know what? Let's end it with that. Let's end it because I always ask when Joe Buck comes on, Nance, yeah. the mentioning, not directly mentioning the spread, but doing the Al Michaels, you know, there's some interest here. What, what's your policy on that? I really try to stay away. And that's really a fine line, right? Because I, I, I don't want to, I'm not the only dope who doesn't know what's going on. So I know what's happening, right? I mean, right. I, I look at it really informationally in the beginning of the week. Hey, should I expect a high-scoring game or low-scoring game, right? There's a blowout. There's a close game late. So I'm aware of it. But, you know, he's Al Michaels. He can get away with anything. I'm just sort of, you know, starting, <laughs> getting my feet wet with the NFL. I'd like to have a good relationship with the league. I think that's important. Right. So I really do try to stay away. I'm aware. You might be able to hear some tone in my voice, but I probably won't. I probably won't go there with the words. I'm just – 
Right. I don't think I have that kind of solid footing at this point. Check back in, you know, 10 or 15 years. We'll see if that's changed. Don't, don't mention the spread. Let's just promote DraftKings at FanDuel during every game. I get you. That's You're the right. NFL. All right. Yeah. I'm not, that's, that's, that's me saying it, not Steve. Yeah, I appreciate you coming on and uh, good luck the rest of the way there with the NFL and the NHL. And uh, welcome back to the NHL. I know that's a, that's a good thing for you guys there. So enjoy Let's it. do this every day, Jimmy. Okay. No. Every, every week is I, I, every week I'm, I'm ready to go. Thanks for having me on, man. Be well. Anytime. Take it easy, Steve. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Okay. I love Walker Hayes. He's amazing. He's so fun. Such a great entertainer. And that's why I'm so excited that JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. The Walker Hayes for JCPenney collection is an upbeat playlist of instant classics with laid-back appeal and down-home vibes. As a dad of seven kids, he knows exactly what fathers want and need when it comes to their style. This collection reflects his casually cool styles with outdoor-inspired details and versatile colors. Perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th, just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like (sighs) being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant... Just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. All right, joining me now, big thrill for me, anyone who has read my column, read, listen to the podcast, know that Curb is my all-time favorite show. And we've got, with the season coming up this Sunday on HBO, October 24th, Jeff Garland. Jeff, thank you for doing this. How are you? I'm great. You know, uh, last night we had the <laughs> Curb premiere over at Paramount Pictures, and it went great. I mean, better than I could have imagined. And it was really exciting to be around people, really exciting to hear People laugh at the show, you know, that's not something I get on even under normal circumstances. So it was exciting. Well, that, that's great. And did you show like the first episode? Because I actually, I, no, was, we I showed told episodes four and five. Oh, that's interesting. Out yeah. of order. Yeah. I told this story on the podcast last week about I was very lucky through HBO one year to go to a premiere of Curb where they showed two episodes and then there was an after party. And I told this long story that I'll do very briefly where at some point in the night, there was a very long line of people lined up to get pictures with Larry. 
And I know Larry doesn't want to do that. And I had this out of body of experience. And some, for some reason I went on the line and tried to get a picture at Larry and it's the worst picture that's ever been taken. It, it's just <laughs> horrific. And, and I have PTSD from that moment. <clears throat> oh, you're so when kidding. you started off by telling me you were at a premiere, it, it, it triggered me. Well, by the way, he, he does, he, he, anyone who asks him for a picture, he does it reluctantly. (laughs) By the way, I'm a photographer. I have a show opening it in Chicago uh, at the Tamarkin gallery, November 11th, my photos. I had it at the Leica gallery right before the pandemic. And there's numerous shots of Larry. Now I'm with Larry all day. He's comfortable around me. And he's a guy who doesn't like having his picture taken. I have hundreds upon hundreds of pictures of him and plenty of them are are delightful. Amazing. But that's the position, the lucky position that I'm in to be able to do that. Have you um, always um, been into photography? Is this a new hobby or how did that come about? It's not a new hobby. You know, I started probably about 12 years ago. I've always loved photography, like looking at photography. My favorite photographer, I have two, Jim Marshall and Alfred Eisenstadt. And I just love looking at photography. And then I thought, I'm going to start taking pictures, you know. And then I didn't let anyone see any of my pictures, anyone, for like seven years. I did a workshop at, at Leica, a black and white film workshop. And my pictures were getting applause this was like street photography in Chinatown we did for a day and we had them developed. And I went, Oh, I do have an eye. I had a gut that I had a good eye, but I didn't know till then. And, you know, it's like, I wish with stand-up comedy that the first three years, no one sees you, but it's the only art form, the only art form that you have to present it to an audience from the very first time you do it. And not even like a college thing where you can work it out a little bit in college. No. So with photography, I waited and waited. And then when I when the Leica people saw that I had nine was getting applauses, they said, would you like to do a show? And I said, I know that my celebrity, which is a I'm proud of success. You can you can you can be a celebrity and not have any discernible talent you know, and be a celebrity. I don't even have to list names. We know so many now. So, but I said, I know you'll want to use that. I go, but please only do it if you really believe in me. And now I'm repped by them. And, and, and I, yeah, I'm, I'm very proud of my uh, photography. Did that hobby help you deal with COVID? I would imagine that's a good hobby. No, no, no? the reverse. I didn't take one picture during COVID. Not one, because the pictures I take are of people generally. Okay. I mean, I do take pictures of interesting architecture, but I don't really use a wide enough lens to be an architecture photographer on any level. No, it's about people and exchanges. And you know what I don't like? Pictures of masks. Right. I got you. I got you. I, I, I bet you during COVID, if you even take in my backyard taking pictures, I probably took during a year and a half, maybe half a dozen photos. Wow. Maybe, maybe wow. of my dog, you know. Right, right. So speaking of COVID, um, a lot of Curb fans, myself included, and this is going to sound really sick and deranged, and but we were kind of looking forward to Larry addressing COVID, COVID in Curb. 
And then I had heard maybe from James Andrew Miller, who knows everything about HBO. There's really only one episode, maybe the first episode that deals with COVID. And then it's really not addressed the rest of the season. I don't want you to give stuff away, but nothing to give away. The only time we mentioned COVID at all is the first episode. Okay. So that's a post COVID world. Right. It's kind of like now, but we don't see masks. We're very, here's the thing. When I heard during COVID people were doing COVID stuff, I thought you idiot, whoever it was, because what's the last thing you want to see is more COVID shit in your entertainment. You want to escape. Now I do understand the premise of Larry. um, And I think he addresses it in a beautiful way. The first episode, what, 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 what goes down. Um, But I I have I know I personally have no interest. And when I began to read the, the outlines as he sent them to me, I was thrilled that we weren't a COVID festival. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like you hit it. I, I think people want to escape from COVID for sure. Yeah. But if there's one person we'd want to sort of tackle I, I, it. By the way, I completely agree with you. And yeah. we had some COVID discussions. Uh, what, but in general, I got to be honest. Uh, I mean, you know, people always say you can't talk about AIDS. You can't talk about now. You can't talk about um, uh, anything. (laughs) Well, no, you can if you're funny. You know, everyone's attacking Dave Chappelle. I think they should be attacking it for not being funny. And he's one of my favorite comedians. It's like and also noble targets, you know. So I think anything is open, but I really don't see any humor in COVID. There's nothing I look at with any experience from wiping down my groceries, which we all are kind of stupid now that we did that knowing that I must have wiped down a hundred bags of groceries, (laughs) which is insane because it had no difference. Um, But it's really, you know, and, and, and I'm going to do my own research. Really? When you hear people say that, well, that I think, right. So that was, so, so, you know, a lot of funny and creative people on Twitter came up with all these things where they'd want to see, you know, Larry, how Larry would deal with being in a room with someone who's not vaccinated or or someone on the show, maybe Leon trying to get a fake vaccine card or what you just said, uh, you know, Susie cleaning the groceries. The only way we would tolerate it if it was you four doing it, basically. Oh, that's nice. But or we five, could, Leon. I, I, I think we are very funny people, but I don't yeah. see the humor. In it. And by the way, first episode, you'll see some stuff. But, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, you mentioned the outlines, and one of the most famous things about Curb that everyone always talks about—it's not scripted word for word. You guys get outlines, and then and then do the scenes. I, I'm just wondering if you could pull back the curtain even a little more on that. When you, when you do get an outline, is it fifty percent of what that scene is supposed to be is in there? Is it? Are there, is there any specific dialogue? How do you go from the outline to what we end up seeing on HBO? The outline, it is, uh, it is, uh, it's at least 90% of what we do. And the dialogue is not in there. There'll occasionally be a line, a line, single line that I or Larry or somebody says, but we don't get hung up on that. But the story is all there. And it's really just being real in the moment. And Larry and I are really proud. And what I loved last night, and it always, 
we're in our, I think it's 11th season, and it brings me so much joy, and that is we laugh. You know, you watch Big Bang Theory, someone says something funny, the next person's saying their funny line. And, 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 and Curb, it's very much, um, I say something funny. Odds are, the take we use, he's not heard what I said, and he reacts accordingly to it. And it is fun to be a show where you laugh at what other people say. And we're very much in the moment. And after every take, we adjust what worked and what didn't work. But in general, it's Larry David writing the outlines, and there are no second, there aren't, we don't do, uh, so oh, we got the second draft, the third draft. No, we're first, we're first draft show. One so draft. Me, so I'm going to ask you a specific instance, and maybe I think people okay, can curious about it. But there's, this, there's, a, there's a scene in one of the earlier seasons where Jeff admits to Larry that he had masturbated to Cheryl. Okay. And the line, you- and the line that... And the line that kept coming up was Larry saying, like, I don't want her on your you say she's on my bench. And Larry keeps saying, I don't want her on your bench. Get her off your bench. So in that scene, like, is it in the outline to say use this phrase on your bench or that all comes up naturally in the scene? That all came up naturally in the scene. But it's funny that you mention that specific scene, because that's one of the, I'd say, half dozen scenes that we reshot because The first time we did it, I was a lot less subtle, not subtle. I I wasn't like graphic, but I came right out and said, hey, man, I jacked off to your wife last night. Right. And the way we did it was too abrasive for Larry. And so we reshot it and had the subtleties of the bench who was there. And it was it was much it was much better. You know, right, he, right, he recognized right. that because, you know, a lot of times when people want to copy what curb is and they try improvising, it's more about being shocking and being vulgar. It's not about Larry David writing the funniest stuff you've ever heard. Yeah. Well, it's, I've always wondered, you know, the question that comes up all the time is, you know, what do you like better, Curb or Seinfeld, since Larry had his hand in both? And I think they're so hard to compare since one was on network TV and one was on HBO. I have a funny story for you with that. I have a funny story. I once told him that Seinfeld was my favorite show and he got mad at me. Not (laughs) Curb. You're on Curb. You're you're part of Curb. He really did get angry at me. This was years ago, maybe around season three. I, I, I said that. But how can your favorite show be a show that you produce and you act on? It makes no sense. I have to pick another show. I, I should have told him that Sergeant Bilko was my favorite show because I do right. love that show. Yeah, um, yeah. Or Mary or Mary Tyler Moore. But I love Seinfeld. But could, could Curb have worked anywhere other than HBO? No, it would have had to. And by the way, considering when it came out, no, HBO was the only place. And it's been the uh, place. You know, uh, he did a bit last night when he introduced the episodes how how uh, HBO has been a creative heaven. And then he says, probably when he dies and he goes to heaven, they'll tell him there'll be no creativity. He already had it at HBO. Yeah. Um, no, HBO has been, I, I can't say enough about how supportive from the get-go, from right. the get-go. We don't, you know, look, when I do the Goldbergs, every table read, we're in season, I don't know, eight, 
or so, or nine, nine maybe. Even after the show got the top ratings, leads off the night, there's executives there. They have notes. We don't get notes. We don't, we were, we're left alone. <laughs> it's so Delightful. funny you say that because that was one of my, you know, I've always wanted to interview Larry and in my head, I have all the questions I want to ask him. And the first, you know, the, it's fake. He, they always I'll give famously- you, I'll give you a, an advance. Hey, uh, he's great. You'll like it. They always, one of the things they always hear about Seinfeld are the famous stories of NBC given the notes. And I've always right. wondered with Curb. My favorite HB- one, by the way, was when they decided there was going to be a blackout night. That all the shows oh, on yeah, yeah. were going to have Friends, a blackout. Yeah. And he, he refused. He's so fucking funny. <laughs> I love him. I love him. You know what he's taught me? He's Go taught ahead. me that if you're confident in what you do, that you you might as well wear a shirt that says, go ahead, fire me. Go ahead. Have fun. Have fun with whoever replaces me. Have fun with what you replace with. It's not being an asshole, because by the way, I can tell you that Larry and I both, we know the executives at HBO. If they had something to say, we would go, we would stop and listen. Doesn't that mean you have to do it? Right. But we would stop it because we have so much respect for them. Right. But there's a lot of people on a lot of shows, a lot of executives where you go, if you could do what I do, you do it. You can't. You're not offering me anything. So you sort of feel the ego of the executive. And if the ego's in check, I, I know I personally would want to hear everything somebody says. Right. Uh, and, if it's, and if it's just about proving that you can give a note, which I've watched. I've watched that even with the shows that I'm not in charge with other people. And I just go unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that, yeah, I, you know, those old famous stories, they wanted Jerry and Elaine to be a couple and all that, but I've always wondered because I know Larry is very happy at HBO, but I've always wondered if they ever once interfered or gave a note or, or um, tried to stick their, they gave one note at the beginning of the season before the show started, they wanted me to, um, Cheryl and I in the pilot did not get along. Right. And Larry felt that that was a bad thing for the series, that we should get along. There you go. And so they said, okay, and we didn't do it. That was the only thing. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Okay. I love Walker Hayes. He's amazing. He's so fun. Such a great entertainer. And that's why I'm so excited that JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. The Walker Hayes for JCPenney collection is an upbeat playlist of instant classics with laid-back appeal and down-home vibes. As a dad of seven kids, he knows exactly what fathers want and need when it comes to their style. This collection reflects his casually cool styles with outdoor-inspired details and versatile colors. Perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. 
Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. I have to ask about Susie. I'm going to tell a quick story to set this up. Uh, sure. Back in 2011, 10 years ago, I saw you do stand up at Caroline's. Mm-hmm. And it was one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. And what blew me away is it was like, I thought you did maybe 15 to 20% of scripted stuff, and everything else was you riffing with the audience and you were taking questions. And I had a couple of drinks, so for some reason I decided to raise my hand and ask a question, which another regret I have to this day. And I said something about, I asked you when Susie Essman, as Susie Green goes crazy in a scene, if you've ever once been sort of taken aback or scared, and you looked at, you you deadpanned and you just said, no, it's a fucking TV show. (laughs) And the the place erupted, and it was great. So I'm going to rephrase this question. Okay. When, when Susie is yelling at Larry and you're in the scene, I think of my top three favorite scene is the house tour when he says he doesn't need the tour and shows him a freak of fucking yeah, nature get, and get, get out. I'm over. Yeah. Is it hard? How hard is it for you to not break and laugh when you're doing those scenes? Really easy. I don't really? have a problem with it. There's one person on our show who, who breaks Who's all that? the time. Larry. <laughs> Larry is the breaker. Susie's right, not right. the breaker. Uh, by the way, that doesn't mean we don't smile or laugh, or yeah, especially yeah. once he starts, like he starts the train. Always. <laughs> None of us. I've only laughed once on my own. And that was when Larry dropped his, his pants and he was wearing ladies underwear. I already had that, what that might be, but you can't be prepared for Larry David and little lady red ladies underwear um <laughs> but no I, I none of us none of us break jb uh cheryl susie nope yeah. no no breaking except by larry and larry breaks a lot a lot a lot a lot interesting if he finds something funny it takes him he has to get focus sometimes i see him doing a scene with me he's looking up at my head because he can't look at my face yeah. um because yeah. when I watch the show, I'm like, how, how, you know, being that it's improvised, you know, so if it's a scene where, you know, Sh- uh, Sh- uh, Susie's yelling at Larry and you're maybe off to the side, I, n- I don't know how I would keep it together because you don't know what's coming because it's all coming yeah, off I'm the top of the I'm not watching it as a viewer. I'm right, watching you're in it this, as a right. participant. Right, I'm also right. watching it doing my job. Yeah. And so, uh, um, yeah, I enjoyed or I'll wait till after a take and then laugh and then tell Susie how great she was. So I mentioned seeing you at Caroline's. Do you do you still like doing stand up? Is it something you Not enjoy? Not only do I like doing stand up, I love doing stand up, and I've been doing stand up for thirty nine years. And I have not since the pandemic started. And this is over the maybe the last 
two months, I've done stand-up maybe four times. Okay. And then prior to that, I I didn't I didn't ever miss shows. I would do shows every all the time. I'm about to go out on tour. And if people listening, watching, uh, want to go, uh, they can go to jeffgarland.com. They're all there. I'm playing for free uh, a bunch of comedy clubs all across the country uh, because of the pandemic. The clubs lost out, and all they have to do is pay my opening act that I'm bringing because those people also suffered. So everyone can get paid. I, I worked on Curb, and I worked on the, 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 um, the Goldbergs. I'm doing fine. So right. I want to, and I need to get it back up on stage. So I am doing a, um, a tour uh, starting uh, Thanksgiving ish uh, through May uh, all around the country. So you'll be uh, in New York again. Uh, I'm the closest I'll be to the city is Rochester. Okay. Yeah. I, Carol, do I you will, still, I will come back to the city. I will play Caroline's again. I love Caroline's. They're, 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 I have a long history. That's, I consider that like a home club. It's home to me. Um, uh, yeah, I, I'll be in New York I'll, always. I'll play the cellar. Um, I, I, I love, I mean, New York. I, 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 if I didn't live here, I'd love to even live in New York again. And do you York. still do that when you do a show, take questions from the audience or is that, you do I, that you- 20% of my show is scripted 20%. Yeah. Yeah. So I improvise. I, I play a different song every night. When I walk up on stage, I'll talk about the song, which gets me in my mind moving. And yeah, I take questions. Uh, that came from, I was playing San Francisco years ago and, the writer said, are you going to take questions? I said, why would I take questions? Like all people love that and people do love it. And what's great for me is it only gives me more material, more stuff to work right. from. It's really fun. Yeah. I'm very loose, but I am now writing for the first time for the first time since I've been a good comedian, I am now writing an actual act. There'll be tons of improv, but I'm writing an act and I'm using this tour to write the act, to come up with the material because I'm doing my first European tour, which we just Monday. announced Monday. What was yesterday? Monday or Tuesday? Monday Tuesday. we announced yeah. it. Yeah. So that's also on my website where I'm going to be in Europe. So the European shows, I'm actually going to do two things, a lot of material and I've been playing guitar for years, just like photography, never shown anybody. I'm going to do Boogie Chillin' by John Lee Hooker at the end of the show. I'm not going to do parodies. This is going to be a, 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 a guitar and a stool and an amp to the right of the stage. I will say goodnight. So the, the audience is going to be confused. Why is that there? Because I will not reference it. And I've done that many times before with right. things. Um, I used to put a saxophone out on stage and never touch it. And then I'll go off stage. I'll count to 10. Maybe half the audience will be gone. I'll come back out. I'll sit down and I'll do boogie chilling straight. Put the guitar down, leave. That's so those People, two things: material and, yeah, yeah. and me playing guitar. Because I'm all yeah. I have a show on Gibson TV uh, about called uh, Jeff and Jimmy's House of Guitars. Uh, Jimmy Vivino, who used to be the um, head of the orchestra for Conan. Right, right. Um, 
That sounds, I like that. I'm plugging like lots that. of things. By the way, I am <laughs> a guy who doesn't plug. Oh, a big thing I want to plug with you is I made a deal with iHeartRadio, and this is for you, Jimmy, for you. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. I'm doing a podcast of the history of Curb Your Enthusiasm. Oh, wow. I'm going to rewatch each episode, right. and I'm going to have either a guest from that episode, Larry's going to be on, um, and or a crew member, or... Jimmy, I'd love to have you on one of the episodes. I, it would be it a would thrill. Be, it would be a uh, thrill. Uh, like super fans, people who love the yeah, show. Yeah, yeah, Because I've got over 100 episodes to go through, so I'm not going to always have uh, JB, JB, or Susie, right, Susie. Right, right. They'll be on plenty of times. Um, but yeah, I should. that should be coming out next month. I haven't recorded. Oh wow, that's so nice. Yeah, oh, I'm looking yeah. forward to that. I will. Yeah, I will be I a listener for it, sure. I love. I those. forgot what it's going to be called. Something with curb in the title. Right. Yeah. That's uh, that's going to be great. I'm looking forward. I re I rewatched the whole series again when the pandemic first started, and you did. You watched it from for all seasons? from the beginning. Yeah, 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 yeah. What What was yeah. your favorite season? I have mine. Um. Either two or three. I love the early. I here's what I I always I always feel like I feel like two and three more than any other season are really just about day to day minutia, which is what By I the way, you know the stop and chat, the I, chat and that's, cut. That's my favorite stuff. But my favorite season is actually the spite store season. Because the premise of a spite store is the most universal thing I think Larry David has ever come up with. Everybody's dealt with some business that has been bad to them and said, I wish I could put you out of business. Only Larry David sees an empty shop next door and says, I'm going to build the same type coffee shop, but better. Right. And I right. thought that was brilliant, truly brilliant, the yeah. simplicity yeah. of that. But I come and by the way, my sensibility is more the earlier episodes because I agree with you. They, later on, by and by the way, things just organically evolve, grow, become, and that's what happened with the show. Um, it became what it is today. But I love the simplicity of of two and three. Yeah, I really do. And yes, that's the word, the simplicity, and um. It, it, for me, what it, it's when there's something on the show that I can relate to in my real life that, like, you know, you mentioned the, the spite season. I mean, I can't anytime I'm in any restaurant now at all and the table's wobbly, I think of Larry because that was <laughs> I know. every time. But no, that was that was a gem of a season. I thought I, to me, that's my favorite episode is the one. Uh, with wandering bear where cheryl's vagina she's having issues and right. larry and i are are obsessed with girls gone wild right because that's all self-contained and it's it makes me very happy i like I, the self-contained little... episodes too yeah. the ones that don't go along with the the uh, storyline yeah I, I you know there's so many scenes i can pick out you know, I, Larry not wanting to give Halloween candy because the girls weren't dressed up in costumes. I mean, just yeah. phenomenal uh, fighting. You know, he gets in a fight with Rosie O'Donnell about who's going to leave the tip. I mean, this is all the stuff that we all those yeah. are the things I always um, I always sort of like the most. Um, and then, of course, obviously, Larry and Sue. Oh, and you know what I thought? I don't think 
I don't think Curb gets enough credit for this. The Seinfeld reunion that was done on Curb is beyond brilliant. Beyond brilliant. The way they did it. I agree with you because you know why? I was barely in that season. (laughs) And I was on set as a producer. And I love that season. Yet I I was in it. I'd say I had the least amount of business that season by far, which makes sense. You've got four other people to do stuff and it's a big storyline. I was not offended by that. And I love that season because I would sit in a chair watching certain things. Like when they were reshooting the, 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 the the show and Larry Walker, you're sitting exactly where I sat when we did the show. I mean, how exciting is that? to to know that you know and um yeah that was just you couldn't have done a better um you know uh reunion reunion when leon Leon sees newman for the first time and he goes who's this fat bastard and larry's like you've never seen seinfeld (laughs) it's great so great um I, I, you got a couple of minutes here, and we haven't even hit on sports. And I know you're a huge sports fan. You're wearing your cut. Co- oh, actually, actually one, la- one last thing about Curb. Clippers, uh, one last thing about Curb, and then we'll get to sports. Yeah. Who came up with the Harvey Weinstein deal? Because I think after well, the whole thing. With the, that was yeah. an unfortunate thing for me, but a fortunate thing for the show. I did not come up with it. Jeff Schaefer, our producer, director, and Larry both asked me if I'd mind doing that. And. I, uh, I, of course, I said, yeah, let's do it. The unfortunate part was people rarely now, rarely, if ever, but people on a daily basis were saying, hey, Harvey, like, and they thought it was funny. Now, mind you, that man, I did a movie called I Want Someone to Eat Cheese with, with which the way they did the DVD release, uh, IFC did the the theatrical release. They did the DVD release. So I dealt with them some. I never disliked a person more immediately. Yeah, yes, I did. Actually, someone else who I met on the on Conan show, who was the other guest, his name was Donald Trump. So <laughs> Donald Trump and Harvey Weinstein are the two people where I instantly just something about them just made me feel. And then as I got to know Harvey Weinstein a little bit. Believe me, when people say everybody knew, no, everybody did not know. That's a fact. Because if I knew, I would have put up a Twitter site and every day put Harvey Weinstein's a rapist. Harvey Weinstein's a rapist. I, I, I don't. And so when people would do that and think they're being funny, walk up to me and say that, I go, how is that funny? It's funny on the show. Right. In real life, I don't want to hear that. Right. He's a rapist. Right. He's a, he's I think a what made it, I know for me, what made it surreal on the show is that I had never made the connection. And then when they oh, did it, way, no one ever did prior previously, but it made sense. It worked. Right. I, I right. looked enough that it, right. that it made sense. And by the yeah. way, on the show, I thought it was very funny, but yeah. I didn't need people coming up to me and saying, Hey, Harvey. And by the way, only stupid people did that. Yeah, so yeah. I saw the people that were, yeah. you know. Well, that's like to me, it was like, oh my god, all these the show's been on for so long, and they finally came up with like the Jeff looks like Harvey Weinstein, like the genius. I of have it never this. had to do this once ever in an interview. Excuse me, <laughs> my guy is doing the stuff. This happened well, to me a couple of weeks ago. Don't worry about it. Can you tell Saul to turn <laughs> off the thing for a couple minutes? 
This is Jeff telling the landscaper to be quiet. That's a curb episode. See, there's a curb episode right there. Like Larry being on a podcast and he gets interrupted. Like everything is a curb episode. That's what the curb fans. That's in my curb fan. I don't. Brain. <laughs> okay. Everything's a curb. So tell, let's talk about sports. That way. I forget I'm even on curb. You know, <laughs> you know I, I got Let me ask you this question before we get to this one. I, I went to Wikipedia to do a little research. And the first line of your Wikipedia page says, you know, Jeff Garland, who is best known for his role on the Goldbergs. Would you Let say that's you, accurate? Uh, uh, no. I, and by the way, I'm going to tell all your listeners, write whatever you want on Wikipedia. What, uh, John Stewart told everyone once we were on the show to, to say that I was killed by a mountain goat. <laughs> popped up. You know, Wikipedia is done by people who decide. So obviously a, a Goldberg super fan saw the page and went, no. No. And so it's uh, Wikipedia is uh, good enough to get an idea, but don't go by Wikipedia. And I encourage people, please go on my Wikipedia page and write anything you want. Best known for the the Goldbergs. I was like, wait, 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 wait. And by the way, if you ask me if I ever look at my Wikipedia page, I would say once every three years. And I don't just know to see what's going on, just I to see do. what's going on. Yeah, I don't even know. By the way, I don't even know if it's that. I don't know if I, <laughs> someone tells me something's there or whatever. Right. So. so you got the Cub hat on. I see the Cubs blanket in the background. Big Chicago sports. Fan. I assume the Bears yes. are your football team. Bears. I actually I live in L.A. I have season tickets. What did you Bears. make of Aaron Rodgers saying he owns you? He owns us. <laughs> I'm sorry to yell. I'm like, yell. anyone who is offended by that is off their rocker. Aaron Rodgers, more than any other player in my lifetime, dominates my favorite team. He is stating fact, 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 fact. And the idea that a woman gave him the bird with two fingers and he went, I own you. I, that makes me love Aaron Rodgers. And by the way, I hate the Vikings. I don't hate the Packers. I have too much respect for the Packers. Now, do I envy the Packers? Yes. Do I want to beat them? Yes. But I respect them. I do not. I, I cannot stand the Vikings and their 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 non inoculated quarterback. <laughs> I, I am. I, I've always hated the Vikings. Now things are looking up for the Bears because you have Justin Fields. But what do you think about the oh, head yeah, coach? But, well, well, he's the head coach. He's, he's, can I tell you something? Yes. I learned yes. everything I needed to know about the modern Bears when the Buffalo came in preseason and Trubitsky tore apart the Bears. And I thought to myself, you know what? And I always felt this about Trubitsky, much better quarterback than we ever gave him credit for. And our coach, Stinkaroo. Our GM, I don't hate as much because you know what? He's made a lot of other really good moves. Really good moves. And, and 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 getting our quarterback now, I'm okay with giving the GM more time. The coach, I don't get it. And how do you not give credit to your offensive coordinator when he starts uh, calling the plays? I'm confused by him. And uh, by the way, everything you need to know about him is right there when you look at him. He's a bald man wearing a visor. Larry's not going to like that. I've got hair. (laughs) I ain't wearing no visor. He's a bald man. He's like, you know what? I kind of love skin cancer. Bring it on. Uh, Larry, I don't think Larry's going to like make you making fun of the bald guy. I'm not making fun of the bald guy. Would Larry David wear a visor? No, he would not. I've seen Larry David in a golf hat. 
no, 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 no. Bald man visor. He's off his rocker. Not a fan. Not a fan. Not a fan. And I, I just, it's very frustrating. And you I love see, Coach Ross. I mean, I'm the manager of the Cubs. I'm good with that. Yeah. All right. So you have season tickets to what? The Rams? No, Bears. Oh, you have season tickets. Oh, you live in LA I, and you have season tickets. So do you go to Bears. every home game? You go to every home game? This year, I can't go to any due to my schedule and due to the pandemic I and all you. this. Right. But I give them to my brother. I give them yeah. to my friends. I've got 50 yard line seats uh, on the visiting side that are so like maybe 10 rows up. Oh, oh, I love it. And um, yeah, I, I, I love my teams. The only LA team that I, I still love the bulls, but I am all in on the Clippers and have been for a number of years. Now I have season tickets to the Clippers. I'll be there uh, on Saturday night. Um, when we play Memphis, I'll be there on Monday night. I'm captain of the game on Monday night. Oh, there um, you go. I, well, you know who I, re- by the way, it's really sad. And I'm sure you have to wrap it up now, but I, I, I'm re- it's really sad. My favorite player on the Clippers is not a player. I love Steve Ballmer so much. Oh, yeah. That I will follow him anywhere. The, the richest owner in sports is the most caring owner in sports. He loves his team. He does what's best. And by the way, I've become friendly with him. His passion. It's like if only all owners really cared, but I'm sure he cares about the business end of things, but he is passionate about the sport. He is passionate about his team. That's what you want in your owner. Right. These poor soccer teams in London that are owned by American assholes. I feel bad for them. It's not right. It's not right. Yeah. Well, he is one of the great characters in sports, there's no doubt. And you're oh, one of the character, great- but also, no, a really good man. And his son, uh, one of his sons does stand up and he's open. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Nice. I didn't know yeah. that. And, and you, I was going to say, you're one of the great characters in television history on oh, the greatest show well, of all time. That, whenever I hear anything like that, I am honored it's, because I look, I knew I wanted to be a comedian at eight years old. So I'm living what I've always wanted. I'm one of the lucky people that has always known. And even before eight, only at eight, I saw Jimmy Durante with my parents perform. And on the way home, I asked them if that was a job. And they said, yes. I said, that's the job that I want. Prior to that, I was the funniest kid in school, but I didn't know it was a job. Well, we, I'm glad it worked out for you because the entertainment I've gotten from Curb is... I, I can't comprehend it. So I, I thank you for coming on. And, uh, and the Jimmy, new season. Like I, said, I love your col- column. I dig it. Um, thank you. Let me ask you a question. Sure. And, and I, I don't want you getting in trouble for this. And I really. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, you're in a re- I know you're an irreverent guy. I read your stuff. Thank you. I keep on getting things to subscribe again to Sports Illustrated. Right. What are your, what are your thoughts? Subscribe. Is, is, the, writing, is the writing. I mean, I'm sure it's not Frank the Ford years, but is there is there are there some still some absolutely some excellent writing? Absolutely. We have a daily cover every single day. That's a great in-depth story. There's still great coverage across the board for sports. Uh, Yeah, you should absolutely subscribe. And the people who run it care about it. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm subscribing today because that also goes into your pocket, helps pay you. They'd say, we don't, I don't want you ever getting laid off. 
If I if I could sell you a subscription, that would help me for sure. So thank you. You for know, that. you know, who my favorite writer is Joe Posnanski. Joe Posnanski. Yeah, he used to be a Sports Illustrated writer. Yeah, I know. Sure. That's where yeah. I first saw him. Well, subscribe it. and check out our daily cover every day. You'll enjoy it. I, I, I will, and I'll, it. and I'll enjoy your column. I thank really you. Did. So, uh, you Curb go. this Sunday, October twenty fourth, the new season. It's like a gift from the heavens. Thank you, Jeff. I appreciate it. Thank you, and an honor right. to be here. Thank you. Take care. At Bed three six five, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get one hundred and fifty dollars in bonus bets when you bet just five dollars. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Okay. I love Walker Hayes. He's amazing. He's so fun. Such a great entertainer. And that's why I'm so excited that JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. The Walker Hayes for JCPenney collection is an upbeat playlist of instant classics with laid back appeal and down home vibes. As a dad of seven kids, he knows exactly what fathers want and need when it comes to their style. This collection reflects his casually cool styles with outdoor inspired details and versatile colors. Perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility Dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. All right, it's time for our weekly train of thought segment. That means I bring in my buddy Sal Licata from WFAN Radio in New York, SNY TV in New York. And he was just asking me before we started rolling if I have watched Squid Games yet. I have not. Everyone keeps telling me I've got to watch it. Your review? Well, I, I mean, it's hard to give a review. Obviously, I'm not going to give any spoilers because it's still probably too soon. But I, I will just say I enjoyed it. I was addicted, uh, addicted to it. My wife and I really got into it. It was, though, a little too gruesome, gory, dark for my full enjoyment. However, even with that, it was like, oh, my God, like, you can't believe what you're watching. I'll, I'll put it this way. The best way I think you could sum it up, it was the one show, and you know how much hype this has gotten? It actually delivered, where usually you'd be disappointed or you'd say, I wasn't that. Right. This, is not, this is worth all the hype that it's getting. I, I have to squeeze it in, but it's hard which leads me to one topic I wanted to discuss with you today. I don't have a, much, I don't have a ton of topics, but I, I, I haven't been able to get Squid Games in because there's games on all the time right now. I think this is by far and away the best time of the sports year. You've got 
ALCS, NLCS every night. The NBA is back. If you're in the NHL, that's back. You have your football on you know Thursday, Saturday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, mm-hmm. Monday. I think this is by far the best time of the year to be a sports fan. Some sports fans say March with March Madness. I To me, it's not even close. Where do you stand on it? Yeah, and it's the worst time of the year to be married. I mean, you got because there are sports going on. <laughs> there are sports going. You got Just in trouble kidding, too. Honey, we, like, you you so got in trouble because I'm thinking of you. You're sitting there single. You're bending the boards left and right. You look at the slate. Oh, we got a five o'clock baseball game, an eight o'clock baseball game, football Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, and I'm thinking I got to go pumpkin picking on Saturday. But yes, it, it is. It's always my favorite. Now, selfishly, I'd like to have some of my teams being more relevant. But outside of that, you have the playoff baseball, which is the best. The NFL, which it doesn't matter what week or where you are in the season, that is the best. You throw in the NBA starting up, which is good for me because the Knicks are relevant. It gives us something in New York, NHL. Yeah, it's all it's all clicking right now. It is a great time. Right. The fall yeah, weather, I, I, you want to be inside with the fall weather. You get afternoon baseball games. Mm-hmm. I like it. Yeah, yeah, the weather is the issue. The weather is so nice. I hate being in the house so much. That's the only downside of all this. Well, it's abnormally hot in New York. Last weekend yeah. was, or Friday maybe, it was, it's like it was the summer. Yeah. So I do think yeah. it's going to, even today it's warm, but I do think it's going to get a little cooler and that makes you kind of want to stay in and, and just sit in front of the TV for you know 12 hours or whatever it is on a Sunday. The one sports story I just want to mention quickly, and then we'll probably wrap quickly because it's, it's a long pod and you're good for this because you're doing New York TV and radio. And I know a lot of people don't care, but if you're a New Yorker, I, I don't understand the big hullabaloo about Aaron Boone coming back. Any Yankee fan that thinks Aaron Boone getting fired is going to make a difference is this is everything that has to do with the Yankees is Cashman. It has Boone has nothing to do with anything. This is all Brian Cashman. the The roster was not put together properly last year. Torres at shortstop. He's not a shortstop. Gary Sanchez regressed. Cashman brings in Joey Gallo who is one of the worst players I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> And people want to blame Aaron Boone. It makes no sense to me. Where do you stand on the people blaming Boone or upset that Boone is back? I'm in agreement with you. I think, And I opened my show last night with the wah, wah Yankee fans. Oh, my God, Aaron Boone is back. I mean, the guy in his first three years has won 100 games, 103 games, his first three full years, then 92. And an awful year. This was an awful year by all accounts. They won 92 games and still made the playoffs. They make the playoffs every single year. I'm with you. It's a, He's irrelevant. Oh, and by the way, if they wanted the fans wanted them to fire Boone, who do you think they're going to hire? They're not hiring Buck Showalter. They're not going down the road of an experienced manager. They would just hire a different version of what Aaron Boone is. Exactly. So it doesn't make any sense. I'm with you. I don't get it from the spoiled right. bright Yankee fan. They, they, if they got rid of Boone and hired a different manager, Brian Cashman is still going to tell them who should play, who should not play, what right. this guy should play against righties. This guy should only th- get this pitcher out second time through the order. That's still all coming from the computers in the front office. The manager of the Yankees is so irrelevant. Well, think about it this way, too. And Cashman basically admitted the mistake. Was it Boone's fault that they put Glaber Torres at shortstop when he shouldn't have been a shortstop? Right. Is it right. Boone's fault that Gary Sanchez has been terrible? Is it Boone's fault that Aaron Hicks can never stay healthy? Is it Boone's right. fault that Garrett Cole couldn't go more than two innings in a wild card game? I mean, right. and here's the problem. And the problem is people say, oh, well, they get the Cashman gets them to the playoffs every year based on the. OK, but the Yankee mantra is World Series or nothing. So how is losing in the first and second round every year? satisfactory if well, that's the other, thing, them. The, the other thing too is there and i don't know if this is accurate and i had to like read the story five times their payroll while it is high and it was two, 205 million something like that 
the Yankees used to, that was what they did better than everybody else. Now the Dodgers are, let's say, 260. So not only are the Yankees 55 million behind them, their payroll is the same as it was in 2005, which I found almost impossible to believe. Here we are 15 right. years later, and they, they haven't blown through the luxury tax threshold. So that's an issue too. They need to change it up. You're right about Cashman. I thought he, just, if anything needed to be changed, it was Cashman because you needed a different set of eyes, just a different feel. He clearly made mistakes, misevaluating what the team was going in last year but i do have faith that he'll be able to change it assuming that they give him some flexibility they could go out there and spend get a shortstop get a catcher get a first baseman maybe a center fielder as well all right last thing i just interviewed jeff garland because curb is coming back this sunday and he confirmed what i had heard and read that there's only one episode first episode they make mention of covid it's not addressed the rest of the season they don't deal with it they're sort of doing the show in a post-covid world uh does that bother you did you want to see larry deal with the COVID minutia, the masks, the no mask, the vax, or you want the escapism and you're fine without the COVID being. It's a great question, and I haven't really given it much thought. I will say I think it's odd to avoid it, being that in our minds this took place in the midst of it, and we're still kind of living with it, and plus it's a layup, right? As you mentioned, Larry dealing with COVID. I'm curious more than anything else. I'm not bothered. I'm curious how what why they would do that or how it's going to work if they address it once and then move on because it is a part of well because what jeff said is they're doing it sort of in a post-covert world so i guess maybe they'll say something like you know i can't believe what we just dealt with and then they'll move forward right but we're still dealing with it we're not living in a in reality we're not living in a post-covert it happened it's not you can't well his and the argument was that this is the escapism you know put on curb for 25 minutes and you're escaping from covid and everything that's gone on and you get larry for i get that and i appreciate that believe me nobody wants to be dealing with this as long as we have however to ignore it for a show that is based in reality you want to escape from covid go watch star wars or a sci-fi thing your enthusiasm based on reality yeah i would have liked some a couple of episodes maybe on it and then you can move on but yeah because it would have been funny you know jeff was making the the argument that covid's not funny it's hard to laugh at it and i got it but Larry is the one person I think that can get away with sort of making it funny for us. But, well, that is true because what are they yeah. going to do? Mask, no mask, vaccine, no vax, make fun of it. And then one way or yeah. another, you're pissing people off. So right. that right. I can understand why they would right. avoid it. And that at least makes some sense. Right. All right, Tal. Appreciate it. Uh, right. We'll talk to you next week and be well. Yep. Talk to you later. All right. Thanks. All right. That wraps it up for this episode. My thanks to Steve Levy, Jeff Garland, and Sal Licata. If you missed any recent episodes, go into the archives, check them out. John O'Ran from Sports Business Journal, Alan Seppenwolf from Rolling Stone last week, Kyle Brandt two weeks ago, Stephen A. Smith three weeks ago, Brian Danielson on the podcast recently, as well as Jimmy Kimmel and uh, Joe Buck. So all those in the archives, subscribe, rate, and review. All right, that wraps it up. We'll see you next week right here on the Sports Illustrated Media Podcast. Stay safe and take care. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. 
Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my! Look at that! He is! And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win! Unbelievable! When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. 